let people leave or don't hire them. Believe or do it yourself. And you're, you're like, that's what, that's in my opinion, that's how people should be running their businesses. And that's how they should be growing their teams and people. You should be growing individuals to move up in the organization. You should be growing them so they're better tomorrow than they were today. Obi, thank you for joining us on the Bluemix podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so, I mean, you're part of this dynamic duo, Obi and Axe. Uh, Axe is a longtime friend, uh, friend of the podcast, friend of, a personal friend. Uh, we've known it, like, we pretty much grew up in the startup scene together. Like, uh, in the hub, when uh, the innovation center we both came out of, like, we were just dueling at our own startups in, like, two separate areas, always, like, close to each other. Yeah. And, you know, one of the main reasons that you're here is, uh, you know, our direct connection with Axe. And um, Axe has been very open and appreciative of, of, of you and your history and what you've done. So I'm really looking forward to opening up and seeing, uh, you know, what your startup history has been around, uh, you know, been about. Because you were part of, like, you saw Toronto's, like, early stage of Toronto's, like, startup scene. And I really would love to, you know, dive into that, um, you know, from where you started from. Yeah, I mean, we, um, you know, when I... When I started originally, uh, you know, I was kind of dabbling my whole career in and out of, of the entrepreneurship uh, world, and uh, and I actually left a big executive position over in uh, in Halifax. I was working as a director of global uh, business development for a company called Ocean Nutrition, who was the largest omega three uh, provider uh, at the time. And uh, I came back to Toronto, and I ended up uh, meeting some great people in. Anatoly and Michelle, Michelle from uh, from Dragon's Dead, and they come yeah. um, and you know got involved with a company called Vitopia that uh, you know we, we we had to be really scrappy and uh, and kind of build from nothing and uh, and we became Groupon's uh, one of Groupon's biggest competitors and we purchased I think it was Vitopia uh, seventeen competitors along the way incubated SnapSafes that was sold uh, to Groupon that was listed on the NASDAQ along the way, I think in 2014. Um, mm. So I, you know, I, I've kind of been in the trenches where, you know, the bullets were zinging by my head. Uh, and then, you know, and now as a, as a CEO uh, of my, you know, of my new ventures, um, you know, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. It's, uh, it's still a shit show. Uh, you know, it's still, uh, it's still, it's still a very morbid, uh, career, you know, whether you're making money, you're not making money, you're constantly trying to make uh, more money and fight off competitors and, and position a business to sell. Um, you're responsible for so many other lives. And, uh, you know, so when we first started, it was heavy here. You know, this this is now the, the you know, the, the startup mecca uh, globally, one of them, you know, in mm-hmm. the world. Toronto, and uh, you see more and more larger entities coming here for that reason, um, and some really great startups that are, you know, that have went from nobody to 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 some real showstoppers. So, um, I, I, you know, nothing's really changed in terms of the actual legwork that's that's necessary to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can say that, uh, you know, there were so many challenges that we had. That I, I'll speak on my behalf. I had no idea we were, we were there because it was so, it was just new and fresh, and there was a lot of different things that we that we hadn't seen before. Um, yep. So it was just the unknown, uh, Ravi, that I think uh, you know 
kind of caught me off guard when I first started here 15 years ago now. Yeah. So let's uh, decompose that. Like, you know, you were part of, you're an executive, um, at, you know, at a pretty young age, uh, you, 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 uh, you know, you, you climbed, climbed the ladder. Um, what got you to switch over into, into startups? Uh, I know on Michelle's episode, she talked about recruiting you almost, right? Like, like we need a sales guy. And she thought of you and she's like, she had convinced you to come over a little bit. Like, what was that mechanism look like? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I was, my whole life, you know, I'd started a lawn company when I was nine years old, uh, you know, and I ended up getting 20 lawns that we could cut consistently bi-weekly. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, holy shit, you know, I don't like cutting lawns. So actually, <laughs> I actually another 10-year-old to do the, 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 the cutting of the lawn. Uh, and, uh, and we made a great business. And I, you know, I've always had that entrepreneurial fire to me. Um, and when you're a salesperson, you're almost, you, you may work for somebody, but you're, but you're working for yourself. You know, you're making your money in commission. Um, you're really building your own uh, client base. So in fact, you know, you, you kind of are your own CEO. So um, I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. Um, but once again, you know, it's the stability of having a base salary, having benefits, you know, and, and some a level of, uh, you know, consistency to your life when you when you work for someone else as a salesperson. Um, so that's where I became a little bit comfortable. Uh, and, you know, after speaking with Michelle and Tolly, um, you know, I realized that, hey, you know, I'm going to sit here and either starve in the nest mm -hmm. or um, a splat on the ground, which is going to be quicker trying to jump out of it. So I might as well get out of my comfort zone, do what I need, do what I know I can do best. Um, I've always been pushing myself and had always been, you know, one of the top tier sales guys in any company that I've been to on a global level. Um, so I knew what I could do, but I really hadn't pushed my envelope. You know, I knew I could do so much more and, and, ha and, and, and basically they were just take, they just let the leash off the line. Yeah, you know what was contained before. You could only stay in your vertical. Uh, couldn't sell this product. You had to sell, you know, X product. You had to do this. Um, whereas the opportunity I saw with Fitopi was these these guys wanted to give me the opportunity to just go. Mm. Could actually just go and swallow everything possible. So um, that's what intrigued me to take them up on their offers. I saw a bigger opportunity, a bigger play, a place to start. You know, in the beginning, to help um, you know get get this thing something much bigger. Yeah. Um, so, talking a little about that, like, there's I found there's two different types of founders. You know, the the sales focused founders, people who like you know sales professionals who can sell services, and there's builders, right? People who have some kind of technical knowledge and they go ahead and build uh, like you know a business, and they have this whole uh, if you build it, they will come kind of philosophy. Right, and both of them have these pros and cons. One of my favorite movies, Field of Dreams. Great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Uh, so, like, the, the, the kind of mentality, right? So, in tech, we we kind of have this like, if you build it, they will come philosophy, where it's like, it's like uh, technical minded founders, builders go ahead and build this product, and then people kind of come to it. I feel a lot of like salespeople, focus people struggle on this because they're used to this. Okay, I'm gonna go sell a bunch of pre-orders or go sell a bunch of stuff, and then get fulfillment to fulfill it out, right? Yeah. Have you found any, any you know any issues there when you know Bytopia was like a tech company, right? I, I, I like you know in the, the day it was an e-commerce platform, right? And 
Uh, was there any struggle in your end from jumping from like a product positioning, a product kind of field into like more of a technology background? No, I think, you know, once again, understand, understand your strengths and lose that ego that you can do it all. Because yeah. the minute you don't, the minute you think that you can do everything, uh, you don't need help, is the minute that you're not going to be successful. And if you are successful, you're only touching on a speck of the, of the whole you're missing the boat on and really hit, missing so many levels that you can be so much better on. So I've realized a few things really early. I can sell. And I like to think, you know, and I think, I think for me, I like to focus on what I do great. You know, um, I bring a team in of technical experts. I hire people that are smarter than me <laughs> in these areas. I know where I need to delegate. Uh, you know, I talk to acts all the time, you know, uh, and, and, our discussions are always around scaling and delegating and trusting people. If you bring in somebody that you, you believe is one of the best or one of those connections like the Ocean's Eleven, that's what you're trying to do when you're building a business. You're bringing in the best of the best in specific areas that you need them to, to, to help accelerate and push your business forward. In other words, if you don't trust in the people that you're, that you're bringing on to run these specific areas of your business, you're never going to be successful. You're always going to have a, a small entity. You're never going to build it into a big player that can be sold for millions of dollars or, or be, you know, one of the top, um, you know, companies in their space. So I think the key is to delegate, you know, and, uh, and, and I always use teams to come in and help explain how it actually works while I explain the big picture, while I, um, you know, take care of kind of the top level, level stuff. Uh, bringing in the right decision makers, the right companies, and, and discussing the big play, um, you know, while I have uh, some of the best in the business that I hire um, to to help uh, map that out, you know, and paint a proper uh, blueprint in terms of what it would look like from a technical standpoint. Yeah, I mean, I love that so much, like, you know, building a team and trusting in the team, right? And Ocean's Eleven, right? Like, so one of the one of the key traits like of a CEO, especially of a, of a founder, is you know picking that deck of cards, right? Your your team, your the Ocean yeah. Eleven deck, you know, it's like you're almost like you're building a deck of like cards you can play, and then you got to know how to play them at the right time, and then like how it all maps out, right? Yeah, it's om exactly. it's a lot of strategy that goes into that. Yeah, I kind of look at it because of my background in baseball and hockey. Um, I look at it as I'm a general manager of a sports team, mm. you know. I have my first line players, my second line, my third line, all are, all are critical to winning that Stanley Cup. All are critical to winning, you know, in baseball, the World Series, all, all, all of those pieces, you have to be able to let those players play. And frankly, when I bring even salespeople in and I train them, I'm not training them to be somebody else. In fact, what I'm looking for is the best parts of their personality and trying to extract that and teach them the framework in order to how to operate within that set. So my job is to get the best out of that person, you know, mm -hmm. and see where their strengths are. And if they are weak in certain areas, team them up with other players where they can help help them, you know. Mm -hmm. So your job is really, you're, you're, you're kind of a conductor, you know. Yeah. You're, you're, yeah. And uh, so I think it's less about forcing, uh, you know, players into certain uh, places rather than letting them letting them be the best player they can be. And they'll show you where they belong on the ice. They'll show you where they belong in your company. They'll, they'll naturally gravitate towards management work. They'll naturally gravitate towards 
going after upper echelon clientele. They'll naturally gravitate towards looking more in depth at research. We just partnered with Shulet. You know, I let these I let these kids come in and I let them show me what they can do. What do you love to do? I don't want anybody working in my company doing things that they don't love to do. If they don't mm. love to do what they're doing in my company, I don't want them in there. And I do that not because I'm not because I don't want somebody operating at thirty percent, but I also do it because that person deserves better. Yeah. Go find something that you love to do. Mm-hmm. Don't work as for much. You know, business, uh, especially in the entrepreneur world, it's stressful. It's horrible. Yeah. Sales, horrible as it is, there's days that are just horrible. You know, um, it's wonderful when it hits and when it works, and, and then you can be creative and kind of build your own days. Don't get me wrong. I, I wouldn't rather. I would rather. I, I would always pick entrepreneurial, uh, the entrepreneurial world any day of the week. Um, but if you don't like, you know, what you're doing, why would you ever pick pick entrepreneurship? Like, where there's no certainty. Like, don't if you're if you're gonna do something you don't like, do something where you're guaranteed to work there for thirty years, retire, get a get a pension, have full health care. Do something that has security if you're gonna hate it. Yeah. Don't get into entrepreneurship. And why the hell people get into sales when they hate it? When you're told ninety percent, told no ninety nine point eight percent of the day, do something else. Deliver mail. At least get there. You know, where you'll get the occasional wave, and you'll be able to pet a dog. You know, um, so enjoy what you're doing. And 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 I love what I do, and I try and lead by example. I try and um, show my team that with hard work and and passion and energy and focus. You know, and empathy. That's what a good leader is. And, and I want that to I want that to run and pour and nourish my company. Yeah. Those ideologies, you know. That that's that's essentially how I lead. I let them be them. And yeah. I don't micromanage them. I don't micromanage people. I let them do what they do. They're they're there because they do it better than me. If they didn't do it better than me, I would do it myself. Yeah. And I would save on the base salary, I would save on the training and the headache. Like I just you know, trust in the people that you bring on because if they're working in a startup and they're in a business that uh, they're doing this, if they're in this particular field, it's because they don't want to work in the confines of that concrete box. So let them work. And if there's a problem, I'll stick my, my head in there and investigate. But if there's no smoke coming out of the thing, then it's working fantastic. And I'm only there to come in and talk to another CEO or vice president. If there's mm-hmm. a problem, to rectify it or just check in. Yeah. Leave your staff alone. Yeah. <laughs> Let them live. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's uh, that kind of approach is definitely uh, effective when you have a small team, right? When you're essentially starting off and going, when there's a lot of different things need to be done, you allow people to run off and, and do what they're best at. And you, and you know and as a, as a leader, you control here. Here's the vision. This is where we're all going. You figure out what you want to be doing as part of that, right? Um, I mean, and you know, Ravi, like Ravi, whether you're small or you're a mid-sized company or you're a massive, large corporation, let your let your team yeah be creative. It doesn't mm. matter what size you are. You know, there's different levels to what you can do and what you can't do in terms of giving someone full because they may be more red tape with government jobs or what it might yep. be. But nonetheless, it doesn't matter how big you are, how much red tape there is, you know, let people work as a team mm. and let people fail a little bit. 
you're only gonna, you're only going to move the needle a significant amount with some failure, with some yep. push, yep. with some obstacles. You, you know, this isn't just for startups. This is this is for everybody that is leading leading teams. You know, to get the most out of your team, stop controlling them. Life is better when you don't, you know, grip the steering wheel. Let it go a little bit. Yeah. That you have, like, if you believe in somebody, then 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 prove it. You know, too many executives out there, in my opinion, you know, they're 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 speaking, their their actions are speaking so loudly, I can't hear what they're saying. Let people lead, or mm-hmm. don't hire them. Believe or do it yourself. And you're you're like that's what that's in my opinion that's how people should be running their businesses, and that's how they should be growing their teams. And people, you should yeah. be growing individuals to move up in the organization. You should be growing them so they're better tomorrow than they were today. That's a job of a leader, and you do it by example. If my team is happy. I don't care if it's the lowest level, uh, you know, executive or team member in, in my company. If they're having a problem with a client, I will roll up my sleeves and I will I will get them on a three way and I will do the call and I will show them I am never too big to roll up my sleeves and, and get my hands dirty and show my team that this is how we operate here. This is how we do it. And no one's too big to do any task. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm leaving. Yeah. Opinion. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, uh, you know, what you're, what you're hitting on is, is so true. Right. So it's not just about running a company or being CEO. It's about being a leader. Right. Um, you know, so. and I think so. Yeah. Like, what are your thoughts on like running uh, like uh, a startup, almost like a tribe, right? Um, you know, a lot of people now talk about, you know, hire for culture rather than um, rather than the job performance or or their skill sets. You can train people to do things, but you can't get people to fit into a culture, right? Um, so building a, building a culture is more of a long burn process. So, and even nowadays, a lot of uh, people are being told that, right? Like, you know, don't apply just for a company out of a brand name. Apply for the culture. See if there's a good fit there. You can get along with the people there, because if you're meshed in together as a people, like the jobs can change, the title can change, the skill sets can be learned, but the, the how you get along with people kind of reflects on everything. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, our our company is a very diverse company. Um, you know, everybody works really hard with it within our, our company, and uh, we communicate constantly. Consistently, mm-hmm. um, we care about one another. Uh, if someone's having a bad day, um, we, we pull each other aside and we ask, "How are you doing? If you need anything, let me know." Um, we are not just a company running on money. We look at people as people. Um, you know, our show, the Open Max Show, is about um, diversity inclusion, empowering women, you know, build mental health. Yeah. Um, so our brand is, our core value is so deeply embedded within each and every person that comes aboard. We created a family atmosphere within a work environment. Mm. Yeah. And actual, because that's what we believe. You know, that's who we are as a brand. And we're not uh, deliberately uh, contorted into something to appease someone rather than we are who we are because we are. Yeah. I mean, so that's felt, not explained. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like uh, I like that kind of phrase. Like it's felt, not explained. Um, talking about that, like you know, during the pandemic, there's been, of course, serious challenges uh, for a lot of organizations. Smaller companies been able to be more nimble, you know, be more open to remote. Um, uh, how is how is that uh, transition for uh, for you and your team? We're, we're growing at around 650 percent, probably more. Like and we've hired, we've been able to hire uh, approximately eight people over the last three weeks um, for new projects, new business, everything. Because our, our business is about helping companies communicate with individuals without home, as we are the largest uh, you know, full-service podcast from North America. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's in the government and corporate sector. Uh, in, in both spaces, and so our business has been uh, really assist yeah. uh, corporations and government communicating with people the way they want to be communicated with. Mm-hmm. So um, for us, we pivoted from our just doing our show, and we realized that there was a real market for it. After many of our many of my friends who are uh, guests on the show, from government and corporate uh, sectors, uh, had access to assist people. We pivoted, and, uh, and we feel that we're offering a great service to uh, to assist people in bridging that gap um, you know, between everybody and, and uh, being at home and, uh, and corporations and government communicate more effectively. Yeah, so I mean, so I, w- I want to dive into that, like uh, this executive podcasting agency, right? So this model of um, of helping, especially larger corporations, uh, enterprises, and, and government, um, you know, d- dive into the now the, the new uh, emerging platform of audio, of uh, voice, of uh, of podcasting, right? Um, so, you know, I think you kind of answer a little bit of the question here, but I want to dive deeper into that, right? So, was it the, what what came first? Was it you start podcasting yourself, and then, like you said, like your guest came on, it's like, hey, this is really cool. Like, can you help our organization? Or did you see a growing need? In the podcasting space for for uh, for larger corporations for these large things entities and were you looking for a way in like what came first did you identify a problem first or did you discover the problem while doing something okay well before we take our deep dive i'll adjust my tank because i can only dive so deep but what i can explain um is essentially it was a little bit of both we saw that the podcast was going to be a breakthrough channel uh mm-hmm. back in march uh, so, you know, creating our own show, we wanted to, after my businesses had, uh, had really sold and were acquired, um, I decided to kind of, you know, take on a, a podcast show and, and uh, breather, if you will. And, and, uh, and, and so I saw that that was a great channel to communicate about addiction and mental health. And yeah. um, now, as we you know, proceeded down the path of the, the show. Um, many of our guests, you know, had, had uh, inquired about, you know, how can you know, we, we better assist them with their own podcast. So it was a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. I, I would yeah, so that's really fascinating. So I, I came across this term recently. It's called um, a, a client-focused podcast, right? So okay. there's about right now 1.1 million podcasters in North America, I think, alone. And uh, of them, like, you know, less than a percentage, about less than 10,000 of them are actually profitable as podcasts, as, as channels themselves, meaning they're ad funded or their revenue, their revenue model makes sense with enough track, enough, enough listeners that it's a full time gig. Right. The remaining 
you know, generally have like a secondary or tertiary business built around the, the podcast where they can service people. And the term, this term I heard is like client focused uh, podcast. So rather than you're, you're making content for the listeners, which is your primary focus that becomes secondary. And what the, the podcast channel becomes is now a channel rather than a cold call or a cold email or like, you know, having a phone call with, with, with a prospect. You're like, hey, let's get on air. Let's talk about you. Let's talk about you know your your you know your business, your challenges. Um, let's let's you know get to discover each other. Doing this like activity, and then from there, like it, once you have a relationship, we can probably do some business. And yeah. it's a very older way of thinking about business, right? There is a time when business was built off of handshakes because there was trust, because like we knew each other, right? You know, our, our families knew each other. Um, you know, we had dinner together multiple times. Like we got people got to know each other first before doing business. And I feel like podcasting is now the digitized version of doing that, right? Like this client focused model where you bring on people that, you know, you can potentially uh, uh, build relationships with and have, have business or do things with them further along the line. But this becomes now like the channel breaker, the icebreaker to get to know each other better and to develop yeah. relationships. Right. Um, I think what's interesting is like how like like uh, the remote work and how digitization is 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 changing us, but it's also reversing us almost culturally, right? It's a lot, it's bringing together more, uh, it's digitizing, you know, and allowing more like uh, more um, more deeper cultural uh, connections to, to to come back. Uh, Naval Ravikant, um, the the co-founder of Angelist, talks about this. He's like the internet is like making us more tribal. It's reversing us out of like urban culture where individuals are becoming more individualistic and therefore have to figure out new novel ways of connecting and interfacing with people. All right. Do you have any thoughts on this? Well, I think, you know, I think the podcast is, I, I, would, I, would, I would agree with that statement. I would also add that, um, you know, the podcast is not meant, as I, when I talk to clients, you know, that it's not meant for them to turn into Joe Rogan. It's not meant for them to uh, turn into the next ultra. They're not, not what it's for. Yeah. The, the podcast is a channel that engages the user for longer periods of time to engage a user and explain challenging problems. Mm -hmm. Longer to soak in. The podcast also humanizes executives. It humanizes a business. It humanizes a function. It is a new channel that a company uh, or government needs to adopt because that's where the masses are. So I try not to, look, all of those things you said are correct. I'm a very much, uh, send me a one-liner email with the meat and potatoes kind of guy, you know? And realistically what it is, it's no different from Facebook than Facebook. Everyone needs to have a Facebook because yeah. that's where everyone is. Simple. Is it bad? Is it good? It's neither. It's not good. It's not bad. It just is. You know. So I think uh, the same with the podcast. You know, um, the podcast is a new channel, and COVID has carved it out. It's already there. You know, Spotify spent half a billion. We've got Amazon dropping, pulling up rates and earning. So the reality is, is that the podcast is always there. What COVID has done is it's just it's expedited it and created it as a concrete channel for the next 10 years. And uh, it has done that through forcing people to try and get away from their everyday work life at home. And hey, relax. sorry, can you can you still hear me? Yep. Did oh you man, lose I your just lost audio. 
No, I heard you. Oh, I'll be back. <laughs> Sorry about go. that. Um, yeah, I missed the last uh, last few seconds of there. Yeah, so I'm just gonna say that you know we can edit this out, eh, Robbie? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So basically, um, what I was just trying to get at is that you know the podcast is just a new channel. It's a new carved out channel by COVID. That's going to be here for another five, 10 years at least. And it has done this through, you know, people being forced into looking for a new way to retain information. And the podcast is the way. So companies need to do this because that's where everyone is. It, it, it just, I don't know if it's putting us here, there, everywhere. And in fact, I don't even care. You know, the reality is, is that, um, I'm a communicator. My, I built tech companies that are were responsible for assisting companies communicate better, and uh, and the podcast is the not only is the biggest growing, the fastest and biggest growing channel, it's also a content monster. So it's saving companies money. I'm looking at this from why is a company doing this? Why is mm. the government doing right? To where everybody is, it's saves money on content you, you can deliberately position the interviews to then create custom content across all segments and have content for a year with all the raw footage yeah. and and you can also from that um you can hit so many birds with one stone because you need to be using the podcast for absolutely everything that it can be used for so you touched on it there it can be you know from marketing sales diversity inclusion new product innovation partnerships, strategic partnerships. The list goes on and on and on and on. So not only is it where everybody wants to listen from, but you can do so many different things with it uh, and then you can turn it into content. That's why hmm. podcasts, period. And you don't have to go and do Joe Rogan or do whatever you, you try and be somebody like that and create the next hit podcast. That's not what it's for. Mm -hmm. It's about accommodating your already clients because that's where they are. Just like why you created a Facebook page for, to communicate with your clients. Because that's where they were. Yep. And now they're listening to podcasts. So you better adopt and you better you better pivot because your competitor will. And uh, if you don't, you know, even from a government standpoint, people aren't going to get behind a certain division. You're spending the you're spending people's money. You better yeah. communicate with them. And you have a and, and really it's a benefit for the government because now you have a platform. You can explain this because these are sensitive, complicated topics. So mm. rather than doing a one minute video on Facebook, you know, or some boring YouTube thing that you come up with um you know this, this is a way for them to engage and communicate on another level you yeah, know yeah. And, uh, and so so yeah that's what i see podcasts at. i see podcasts are what they this is what they are you know yeah speaking of joe rogan um he has this to say about long-form content um so podcasting in general but youtube even he's like what we're seeing is like the emergence of like the new like a new gutenberg printing press right like like that's yeah. what this is so we are able to now to record in HD audio and video content of people talking in longer forms, right? So what does that mean? It's like just like we could like print books and you know record information in long form that can be yeah. replicated and spread out. No, this conversation right now is now is now recorded, put into an uh, into an asset that can be shared and viewed multiple times. Yep. Yeah. Right. So it's a, a new way of like storing and sharing information. And rather than just text information, now you have like voice, people talking about it. You can hear how they feel about it. You know, you can hear the inflections of their voice. 
their their yeah. passion comes out. Uh, if you have a video involved, you can have their facial expressions. You can have, you know there's way more bandwidth of information coming at you through this, right? And it, and it allows for much more higher bandwidth information to be shared and, and talked about, not just like well the pure bit information but the context behind it the human element of it and as we become more of an empathetic uh, like empathy driven society i think that's going to become more and more relevant 100% you know you just explained everything that you know i believe uh podcasts bring to the table you know that's this is what it is it's real you know it's mm -hmm. authentic um yeah. you know are the days of commercials and you know uh, animated videos are they done? No, there's still going to be a certain level of that. But I, I guess in terms of um, how the leadership conduct themselves, in terms of the core values of the business, it's going to be portrayed through a, a podcast. Period. Um, in in my opinion, that is the way to humanize leadership. That is the way to tackle complex uh, discussions. You know, uh, people are engaged longer in plat in, in this platform than any other. And that's going to continue to grow. Just look at the Edison stats. The Edison stats will blow your mind. Are staggering before COVID hit, let alone now. So, um, you know, all signs are pointing towards podcasts um, doing just that. You know, humanizing and engaging people for longer periods of time. And that's what people think about. What people have been trying to accomplish in marketing from the beginning of time is engaging the user for longer. What do we look at? Seven, fifteen, thirty seconds of engagement like that. Like people yeah. were hired to do this. Yeah. Now you got people on your average, your average listen time is somewhere around 30 minutes. Yeah. What do you want? You know, mm -hmm. this is where it's at. So, um, I think to, you're going to have three kinds of people when it comes to podcasts, you can have people that see it and move on. You're going to have people that see it, want to sit back and wait and eventually move the, the brontosaurus closer to to the finish line and then you have people that just don't see it yeah. at all those people are not going to be employed long so i'm not too worried about them um the uh Obinax inc assists the brontosaurus in putting roller skates on it to help it uh hit that <laughs> finish line faster and the Obinax uh inc uh company uh, assists shop callers that see it and want to make a move because we can move on a dime and just get things done for them get and, it done yeah and, and from a, a time efficiency standpoint. So yeah. um, move your companies around what you can do to help your client move forward and add true value, a true win-win. Me getting paid is only part of the win, right? What we do as a service and the fact that all of our clients actually accept phone calls on a referral basis whenever I need them speaks volumes for how much we help our clients. So, um, you know, that's what I'm most proud of, uh, not only being in the podcast space, um, but actually providing a service that helps people. <laughs> and, mm. and that shows by what my clients do in, in return for me and how they speak about my company and, and, and myself. Um, that speaks volumes for me. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, I had a... a um... Uh, Mohit, I think his name is Mohit Raja. He 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 was like he's like a he has a, tw a thirty year background in being a host of various different mediums, right? From radio to TV, now to podcast, and he saw this huge span. And he worked with like a lot of large large firms. And, and one of the things that you know, like uh, the touch point he made is that the mediums change, but the intent never changes, right? The way to reach your audience and and share information. 
the medium does allow for like more uh like you know more nuance and 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 like and, and, and better support right like it changes the rate yeah. like 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 audio it's one way you you don't get any direct feedback mostly pre-recorded like radio right and uh you don't get to see your audience or what what's getting direct feedback with tv it changed you know but it's still one way but podcasting now become more more my dynamic but the interesting thing he said was like you know we talked about obi and axa actually for a second and he was like so blown away with the, by the model because he's like yo absolutely these big firms need to humanize themselves and i like the idea that the, the term you use like you know how to humanize executives and humanize uh, you know these these big uh, especially even governments right because that's uh, an empathetic different society i think that's so important but going back to the kind of clients you work with you know uh, you have some great names behind you i think bombardier mcdonald's toronto police and now the fbi right yeah um that i think is so cool like you know having a product that uh, can work with brands at that level uh, and 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 consistently and provide some kind of direct value i think is it's a holy grail for any salesperson right it's like i can sell a high value product that has a high impact and and to a repeatable customer base and i can i, I can grow this with a good team yeah. right um i mean where are you in in in, in a headspace right now right where it comes to like the, your clients and driving forward like you know i got i got i got to say it's got to be pretty exciting yeah i mean you know i i never i never get too high too low uh, my yeah. dad always me that um you know i think that uh you know it's important to when you win to have gratitude that you that yeah. won um i think when you i think when you uh when you lose it's also important to have a little bit of gratitude that hopefully you learn something and you 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 at least from that wound you know to your ego or whatever it is uh at least you grew that much more yeah so i think for me um uh, you know I asked my dad before he passed away a year and a half ago, you know, he had told me, you know, what made me successful was my grit, my grit, determination and my talent. Mm-hmm. You know, um talent only works uh if your hard work keeps working, right? So, um, you know, I think it's a blend of of everything and and that keeps me level-headed and it's ex- and my I'm excited. I'm truly excited. I have a lot of gratitude. I love what I do. I love helping my uh my staff get better. Uh I love helping Obinax Inc here in Canada and Obinax United in the states get better. Um you know and and I love my you know new partnership with Shulik and I love uh you know the the guest lecturing and the TED talk I'm going to be doing with Shulik in September. I love giving back and and um and I just I just have a a natural overall gratitude and uh and I just try and remember that and and and, and let that drive me throughout each day day by day, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh that's that's super important gratitude. Uh you know, I listen to a lot of uh, Gary V and you know, he talks about this a lot. Like, you know, having gratitude, you know, it's like the ultimate defense, right? Because it, it keeps shielding you from the the high the highs and the lows, you know, the things that upset you. And I like the fact that you said, you know, you shield yourself from the highs because that kind of upsets and throws you off as well, right? Yeah. Um um so going going back to the clients you're working with, right? I mean, It's so cool. Like how's how's it been working with like the FBI, Toronto Police, Bombardier, like fantastic. I mean, you know, you learn so much. I mean, we have NASA on our advisory board. We've worked with NASA, you know, uh, a laundry list. We've got wow. the uh, the command chief for the US Air Force on our advisory board. Um, you know, and and when you get an opportunity to to work with the likes of the Toronto Police and the FBI and RCMP and Bombardier, Boeing, you know, whoever else is is in the uh, in our client roster, you know, that, um, 
just such a just a, an opportunity to learn and understand mm. their functions, you know. And um, that's that's what I think is is uh, one of the best things uh, about my my life is that one day I can wake up in the morning and I say to myself, "Shit, I feel like getting to know the senior vice president of uh, American Airlines." <laughs> Or, you know, let's go after the, the head of weapons of mass destruction uh, <laughs> from FBI, you know, and having that belief in myself and my product and just going out and introducing myself to these people and sharing what my thoughts are in terms of how we can partner and, and what my vision is. And uh, and they're receptive because they're like, this guy's either got something or he's nuts and he's, we're going to have to lock him up somewhere, you know, <laughs> but that's what it is. You know, I, uh, I have no fear, you know, I've lost my, my, most of my immediate family has passed away. Um, you know, I battled addiction. I'm almost three years clean from you know alcohol, recreational drugs, cigarettes. Um, you know, I, uh, I got into a little bit of trouble in my early twenties. Uh, not to get into the particulars, but there's, I, I, I shouldn't be where I am. And the only thing that godly here was, the fact that all of those things built uh, a lion with no fear. Mm. That's, that's essentially what I, how I've grown from my life experiences because far too many people think they're separate and they're not, they're not separate. You know, when I got the call, when I was, you know, two years clean and I got the call in the middle of the night, the night that my dad had stage four cancer and was dying, you know, that's another level, you know, that I can't yeah. even explain, you know, it's, it's, I could have went out and used, I could have relapsed. I could have thrown my whole career away like that yep. in a blink of an eye. You know, I went to prison at 24 doing something when I was 19 on house arrest for four years while I got my degree and they sentenced me to 120 days in prison. And that was over a 30 second decision based on me just overdoing the booze can. Yeah, yeah. Life hands you things and you can make a 30 second decision that can ruin and impact your life. And um, so all, what I, how I have learned to pursue my happiness and do what Will Smith did in the pursuit of happiness is go after the biggest players in the world. Why? Because if no is the biggest thing that can happen to me after what I've been through in my life, I've been to hell and back. I've watched both my parents die. My mom died. I watched her die of throat cancer from seven years old to nine. You think me going after the head of the FBI or the head of NASA scares me. It doesn't. My mm. life has created a lion that has blood stains around its face and zero fear of any other lion. So when someone says to me, how do you get where you are? Through almost dying. You can only see the light through almost dying. So mm. uh, I get emotional because my business is my life. I'm not just some executive that does this from nine to six. I am a lion 24-7. I'm groomed by life to do what I do. And now I try and teach a lot of my wisdom to people that are new or people that have suffered things in their life. And, and so to me, business and, and, and greatness is about sharing, mm. you know, and, uh, and I don't, I'm never going to, I'm not that important or that uh, powerful to uh, save someone from pain because they need that in their life. But hopefully through my 
talks with kids and and uh, and how I work with my staff. Maybe I can save them a little bit of unnecessary pain, you know, that I went through through poor decisions, you know, and uh, and share a little bit of that. Look, it's scarier for me. I've always been like this, where I'm always much more terrified of starving to death in the nest than splatting on the ground. Mm. So that's what life is, man. It's uh, that's life teaches you, man. Unfortunately, I've had a weird deck of cards. I've, you know, most people, you know, haven't been through what I've been through. Most people, a lot have been yeah. through worse. Who knows, you know? But I've taken the shit and the negative in my life, and I've been able to. Uh, stay positive, have a vision, believe in myself getting there somehow, some way. Even when I had no money when I started on Bay Street and I was walking with holes in my shoes because I was burning all my money in drugs and everywhere else and I had no money for rent and I had the ability to cold call my landlord every month and get him to delay my payment. I had no money for food. I can. I was calling every single big box retailer like McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's, you name it. And I was calling them saying someone put a finger in my burger or didn't add something on my burger. I was getting free lunch every single day for years. And that's mm -hmm. no joke. And, I, and I'd be happy to even do it on a phone call right now. And I wouldn't go accept it and put the money out, put the business out. But, you know, um, I, I've, I've, I've become who I am by through hundreds of thousands of hours of experience in sales and through uh, watching my family die and through prison and through addiction and through having no money. And you know what? I choose this every fucking time. Mm. And, uh, you know, there's no substitute for life. And, uh, and there's, no, there's no separate highway because they all intersect at some point. And, uh, and that's, uh, yeah, that's my insight on those areas. I don't even know if you asked me about that, but once I get going, man, Hey, yeah, like, I know. I appreciate it. Like, I think that, that drives a lot of insight. You know, just uh, I always found that people with like deep life experience early on, right? They mature faster, and then they they look at life a lot differently. You know, a lot of people kind of like just kind of you know just kind of go through life without any kind of struggle, and they don't have any depth to them. Right? They don't have they 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 struggle to find purpose in things. They struggle to find uh, happiness because they haven't seen the other side of it. Right. They, 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 they can't find gratitude in what they have because they've been at a baseline the whole life. Right. At a linear growth. Right. Things that they haven't had too many lows, but where the highs hit, the highs don't hit as high. Right. So I find like a lot of people, especially entrepreneurs who have gone through struggle, uh, they just keep striving and keep moving forward. And like you said, the fear. Right. It's like I've seen fear in, 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 in a different context. How does this phase me? Right. I love that a lot because it's like. Because uh, it's about like you know choosing life experience, you know what you're talking about, you know living on Bay Street and and having to struggle to you know uh, get rent, get, uh, get you know getting free food, right? From the lobby of my buildings, horrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know what's funny? You can still be successful not going through the shit I went through. I'm just jealous of those people. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, but 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 it's my, it's my story. It's my mm. unique story. You know. And everybody has one. And, uh, and I think that, you know, uh, it's important for people to share their unique story. And they did, you know, no matter what, part, you know, I don't want to minimize people. That's a thing. Like, that's my shit. It's yeah. my story, you know? And this is what I did to get over some of those hurdles and where I'm at today. That's my story. That's my shit. And I don't want to minimize things that other people went through. 
you know, because we're all human. We all, you know, um, you know, take things a different way mentally. And, and so I think, I think what it's more about, whether you're, doesn't matter what career you're in, what keeps you propelled for sustainability is passion. And passion is achieved through love. Mm. And love is achieved through engagement. And so money and all those other things will come uh, through, you know, being in something um, that you enjoy and that you love. And, you know, success is not just about, look, I'm just saying money's better for me because it's better to uh, be able to go on vacations or, uh, you know, do different things and have more options. Um, but that's just one small sliver of success or happiness, you know, having a great family. Um, mm -hmm. I have a great family around me now and a lot of family that has come back into my life. Um, you know, as people have passed away, I'm truly blessed to have my brother and a lot of great family around me, a lot of great friends, a lot of great uh, colleagues who are friends and family. Um, you know, the ability to live in California and the, you know, in the winters and come back here and do CrossFit and be healthy. And so success is really about being happy when you wake up in the morning. That's what success is. Mm -hmm. Um, it also happens with when you click with the entrepreneur world, you can really make some great cheddar. Um, but outside of that, happiness is, uh, you know, is enjoying the moment when your eyes open. And, uh, and I kind of hate going to sleep because I, I miss being awake and that's what success is. And everything else that you believe, uh, is entailed in success will come. I think if you, if you, uh, if you base it on, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So speaking on success and, 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 and things moving forward, like what are your insights on the future? Like, you know, you have this executive podcast agency now operating and, uh, and doing that. Is that leverage to take you to, the, to another level? Uh, do you want to, you know, do more outreach and, uh, and, and, you know, work with, you know, do more talks and help work with kids? Like, what does that look like? What is the near future looking like for you? everything i mean you know um i try and do the, the right things every day the little things every day and uh all of those things like selling the business at some some point someday uh will come or maybe we take it public that may be an option maybe that will come um you know sharing my story uh you know helping helping out uh kids in school i mean yeah these are all definitely things that i'm looking to scale um you know and and become better in and grow and and so yeah i mean i'm open you know, I'm open, man. I, I don't, you know, I have big goals, obviously, as, as a CEO for the business of what we, where we want to take it and evaluations and all that stuff. But, um, you know, those goals are only attainable based on what you do every day. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I, I try not to, and especially even in recovery, you know, as someone that's, you know, almost three years clean, you know, um, I take it day by day, man. And I, I, and I don't, I don't look at any other part of my life any different take it all day by day um i equally try and work on myself being a better person and not being an asswipe to people and mm -hmm. being the best most caring person i can um hopefully even to attract a, a girlfriend someday uh now that i'm this new new man um you know so yeah i mean i'm, I'm just i honestly i'm just working hard at the business every day trying to grow it trying to make it a better uh place um you know to work for my staff myself uh and our families and, uh, and then I'm constantly, you know, trying to grow on a personal level. So little things every day, you know, you keep pushing around, pushing along, um, 
And if we do that, all those other things you're talking about in terms of the future are all going to map itself out. I'm not that yeah. There's there's a story of when I was listening to your uh, listening to your podcast episode that really stood out to me, and I think I shared it with you. Uh, is when um, you talked about how you met the the I think it was the president of McDonald's. He's, at, a, at, He's a founder of McDonald's Canada and Russia. Oh wow! He became a good friend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you talked about how uh, a friend of yours, you know, shut down there. I think they I think it was a salon. Or like a, and um, uh, he came in, uh, got a private uh, private setup for himself, and uh, was was getting like a, like a mani pedi or something like that. <laughs> and and uh, yeah. you're like, this is an opportunity. You need to get me in there. I need to meet this guy and talk to him. And on air, you talked about unapologetically, like you're like, yeah, I got in there, and while this guy's sitting there and he can't move because you know he's getting he's getting his, uh, his work done, you sat next to him and just start talking to him, just chatting to him, right? Yeah. I mean. I mean, that is, I love that hustle right there, right? Like, that's like, okay, I see an opportunity. I'm going to hustle. I'm going to, I'm going to put myself in a position where like, I take no out of the equation, right? You can't just like throw me aside. I can sit there and just talk to you. What, like, you know, like, I, my, I guess my question is, you know, that, that level of hustle that comes, comes when you're like grinding, right? When you get yeah. to a certain point, do you feel like the hunger ever plateaus? Or does like does it metamorphosize into like a different level of like hustle, you know? Does a does a game change, um, or do you look back and be like, man, I wish I was hungry like I used to be? I do the same thing tomorrow. <laughs> I what I do now is I build a. Before I was mm. a role, slaughtering gazelles by myself, feeding and getting as as fat as I can, and just feeding myself, and now. I teach other members of the pride mm. to hunt. So all I've done now, I think, um, the hunger hasn't changed. My um, my outlook in yep. terms of my skill set, I want to expand. I want to build that out in other people. I want to create myself in other people now. So it's about working smart. I put mm -hmm. in the hours be able to hunt and I believe I'm elite I believe that in my space I don't do many things well in this world but when it comes to selling I believe there's very few a man that I'd be scared to man or woman or anybody that I'd be scared to go one-on-one -on -one with on a global level I really have no fear even if I don't know the product give me a few days with it um, so having that belief and having the, uh, the passion now it's about working smart so would I go and sit with uh, George, if I could, and pitch him another idea if we were back then and if that was tomorrow? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's fun. Absolutely, I would, you know. Um, but I think it's more about building out your team and creating yourself and other people, which I never wanted to do before because I was scared. Well, what if I create a monster who takes my job or takes my hierarchy? That was my thinking before, yeah. and that's okay because – and that's okay because I thought the way I thought because I was supposed to think that way um, because I was supposed to. And now I'm here in this moment and thinking the way I think now. And the way I think now is about, uh, you know, growing my, my lines, mm -hmm. teaching the up so that we can take more gazelles down and, uh, you know, we can work as a team. And so, uh, but we don't hunt the injured and we love the hunt right so what do i mean by that well when i do a deal with a company or with the government it's because they win so um we make sure that 
we only uh, target and associate and talk with other players that we feel we can help benefit. Um, you know, I use the analogies of the lions and the gazelles just because for me, it's just like one, you know, mm. I, I, I feel it. I see it. I don't know if I was the lion in my past life or I've just gone through so much shit that I just want to tear the shit out of everything in my, in my world. But nonetheless, I just, um, you know, it, it's, it's really about growing, uh, people, you know? So to answer the question, I would do it again. And, but this time I'd bring someone with me so that they could watch me. <laughs> no, man, I love that so much. Cause, uh, first of all, like the analogy with the lion, um, I think is so on point, like almost every salesperson, you know, me, myself included, like talks about analogies in that kind of context. It's being a hunt, right? Sales is like a hunt. And let me just say this, and I've said this before and I'll say it again. There's a lot of lions out there, right? There's a lot of lions out there. There's a lot of roaring. There's a lot of, there's a lot of scratching at the dust. There's a lot of dust being kicked up in the air. Lots of roaring. Mm. Very few have blood stains and scars all over them. So, you know, I don't know. I'm not, I, I look at myself as it's kind of a different beast because what I've been through in my life, how I do what I do is just all off the cuff. There's no, there's not, it's just, it's just natural for me. Um, and, uh, and I just feel that, you know, when, when you've kind of been so low at certain times in your life, um, that I find it comical when I, I find it comical because I know that there's just, anyone can call themselves a lion, you know, but, you know, when you watch someone die and then you sell something the next day and you're able to push forward um, and, and, and somehow take positivity or, you know, um, I only speak my story. This isn't yeah. about minimizing anyone else's. This isn't about anybody else. I don't give a shit. This is just about me. I can only speak from, from the eye here. Um, but I remember the day before I made a, I made a promise. I made a commitment to, um, to the Toronto Humane Society. Uh, it was, uh, last December 8th, not this yeah. past, but the one before. And, uh, and my father passed the next day, but I made a commitment to them. And I remember going to host that we put on a big event. I got Air Canada. I got all the OHL, Oshawa Generals, Peterborough Pete's. Um, you know, everybody to kind of help put this fundraiser on to, to raise money for animals for the winter, for blankets and things for the winter for them. And I made a commitment and, you know, there was a hundred kids that have tickets for this event. We had a clown and Santa and everything mm -hmm. else. Um, the strength that it took to go and deal with that event, smile, take pictures with the kids to ensure that we did what we said we were going to do for those animals because I made a commitment for that event long before I found out my father was dying and mm -hmm. to be able to do that event, drive down to that event, do that event and drive up and then spend the night on the floor of my, my father's hospital room the day before he died. That's the kind of shit that I'm talking about. That's the kind of scarring that I'm talking about. That's the kind of blood stains that I'm talking about. When I talk about a real lion metaphorically going out to go after anybody with zero fear, take on any competitor, group onto Bytopia, no matter how big they were, that excited me. I loved the hunt. I loved the fight. I loved getting hurt. That is, to me, that's why I laugh at other roaring lions because they they don't know what pain is. They don't, mm. they, 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 you know, they, 
And if they do great, then it's going to make for a really great fight, won't it? But I don't fear other lions. I don't fear anything. I don't fear nose. I don't fear anything. And, uh, and that's what I think separates me from the pack because I just don't, I don't, there, I have zero. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I don't, no fear, man. And, um, and so that's how I can best explain that analogy, you know, um, and, and that's what I mean by it, you know, mm. and, uh, and I don't care if anyone likes it or not. That's just how I feel. And it's deeply embedded with me. And, um, and that's what keeps me motivated and pushing forward because yeah. uh, I've just taken all that pain and all those negatives of addiction and jail and losing people. And I've turned those into such what I feel is such positive reinforcements um, to help other people and, and to run my own business and, and try and be successful as I can be um, for my family you know, and myself. And, uh, and, and that's, that's how I look at all of these things and with, with the lions and everything else. That, that's, that's kind of why I look at it. Hmm. I mean, uh, that's, that's really deep. It reminds me of a quote. Um, it's like taking your pain and, and making use of it is what turns players into Kings. Right. So oh, rather, yeah. yeah. So it's like, that. yeah. So uh, I'll end off on this note. You know, you, you shared some very deep concepts with us about your mentality and your state. Um, do you attribute success to the size of the kill? Or is it the the fight that it took, you know? It's going to be, it's, it's, with that question, it's both. That means it's a healthy, uh, it's a healthy, fair fight. And nothing gets me excited in going after something I shouldn't be able to take down. Yeah. Awesome. Andy, this has been, uh, this has been a great episode. I really enjoyed having you on. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing everything you did do a sequel man we get me another one and be rock and rolling for that oh thousand hours. percent thousand percent let's do it let's do this when i'm in california by the pool and uh in october and november make uh, us all I'm jealous gonna... man make us all jealous for sure definitely and thank you for everyone who joined us uh stick around andy we'll do a debrief, quick debrief but uh everyone who joined us thank you